is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Wilf. Is that really in the Bible? You know, there are people, religious people, that desire the day of the Lord. Or so it seems that, at least that's the concept that I have heard before. Now, the day of the Lord is not something to be desired. It comes at the end time, and it's ugly. It's very ugly. That is the day of the Lord. Now, I desire the kingdom of God on this earth. Oh, yeah, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth when he will establish, first of all, he will take over man's government that has failed, and he will institute his theocracy ruled by the law of God, the Ten Commandments, written into the hearts of mankind. Oh, yeah, I desire that government. I desire the kingdom of God on this earth. But there's something that comes before the kingdom of God. And it's called the day of the Lord. Now, Amos 5 and verse 18 picks it up. It says, Woe unto them, you that desire the day of the Lord. Notice this. Woe unto you, you preacher men that desire the day of the Lord. You people, you religious people that don't know, really understand what it is. You know, woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? In other words, what good is it for you? The day, it's a, the day of the Lord is darkness and not light. It's as if a man flee from a lion and meet a bear. And a bear met him, excuse me. Or went to a house and leaned his hand on a wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light? Even very dark and no brightness in it. So the day of the Lord, the Lord that comes at the end time, right before Christ returns, is not a good thing. It's a day of darkness. It describes it as if a man is running from a lion, and you know he's running down this trail, running away from a lion, and right in the middle of the road is a bear. Eats him up, kills him, whatever. In other words, what, it, what that implies is this. You cannot escape the evil that surrounds you. Because it's all around you. That's what the day of the Lord is all about. Evil that is all around you. Now, I'm beginning to wonder if we're not already in the beginning stages of the day of the Lord. Because we seem to have an administration now that doesn't care about aborting babies, doesn't care about, you know, uh, transgenderism or actually well, there's one in the administration that I don't know if he's a man and turned into a woman or a woman turned into a man. I forget what he is, but he's an ugly thing, whatever he is. And, uh, you know, we, we actually have this in the administration that we, the government that we have right now. We have a transvestite. So I'm, I'm beginning to wonder with the evil that is before our eyes in our government. If we're right there, at least on the brink of the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is when the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience 
seem to be in reverse. What do I mean by that? Well, let me explain it to you. In the Bible, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1, it says, And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, now that's a big if, you know, if, if you shall hearken, if you will listen, if you will obey, if you will keep his commandments, and to obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe all, to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. You'll be like a beacon of light to the world. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee, if you shall hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. That's a big if, okay? If you will listen to what the Bible says to do. We're not talking about what the Bible says to feel. We're not talking about your religion. We're not talking about going to church, raising your hand, saying, oh, I love Jesus. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about if you will do what the Word of God says. And let's start with the Ten Commandments. All right? Blessed shall you be in the city if you'll do this, if you'll do this. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, healthy, happy children. You know, not wrecked with divorce and, and, and infidelity and, and screwing around and all this stuff. You know, good parents blessed with healthy children and the fruit of the ground and the fruit of your cattle and the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall it be thy basket and not thy store. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. But then it says... But if you will not, but it shall come to pass if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. And that, that's, that describes us. Okay, that's, a, that's good old Uncle Sam. That's America. If you will not listen, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God to observe, to do all his commandments and statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now, now I know we got churches that dot our land on every street corner. But how many of them are really, and do they really teach the law of God? And more importantly, are the people in the church keeping the law of God? Are they really? I know they say they are, but I don't believe them. And just because you say you're doing something, or you say you're honest, or you say you're faithful to your wife, doesn't mean I believe you. Okay, Just because you tell me you're a good person doesn't mean I'm, I'm gullible enough to believe you. Okay? I got to see some fruit. I'm like, you know, well, no, I'm not. Okay, I can't really say I'm like God. Well, I'm not like God. But, but God looks at the fruit. Okay. He looks at the end result. He looks at the way you live your life and the way your life is turning out. If your life is a curse, that tells me something about the way you're living. Okay. All right. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 16. Curse it if you will not listen to God. You won't keep his commandments. You won't obey his voice. Curse it shall you be in the city. Curse it shall you be in the field. Curse it shall be your basket and your store. Curse it shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of your kind and the, and the flocks of sheep. Curse it shall you be when you come in and curse it shall you be when you go out. You can't get away from the cursings. Everything you touch turns into a curse. Everything you do is a curse. Okay? Now, normally, now I, I said we've, we've entered a time when the blessings for obedience and the cursing for disobedience have been reversed. Normally we think if I just do the right thing, I will, I will be blessed. I mean, that's what this scripture is all about. 
Okay? If you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, you'll be blessed. If you don't obey his voice, you'll be cursed. Okay? Normally, we think, if I just do the right thing, I'll be blessed. But we have entered into a time that the roles have been reversed. Sinners are blessed in the city. The sinner is blessed when he goes in and when he goes out. This is what I mean when I say the blessing for obedience and the curses for disobedience seem to be in reverse today. Life in the real world isn't fair. Cheaters pass exams. Terrorists become folk heroes. Sexual deviants become icons. Yeah, that's who we praise today in our entertainment. Sexual deviants. Okay? Children are abused. Crime bosses live into their 90s and die a peaceful death. You ever met people? You ever been to a funeral like that? And you think that guy was a scum of the earth. And yet he lived to be 90 years old. Okay? Life in the real world is not fair. Someone said, life seems to be a theater where all the worst people have the best seats. How true it is. Bad is good and good is bad. Morality is totally upside down today. Isaiah 5 and verse 20 speaks about this. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is where we're at today in America. We call evil good, and we call anything good. We persecute those that are good. You know, we, we say that's not, that's not light, that's darkness. And we call darkness light. We've got it all backwards. Morality is upside down in our perverted, twisted, deviant society. Okay? It's twisted, totally. Now, why do wicked people prosper and righteous people suffer? Now, you might say, well, I don't know if I want to call myself righteous or not. But, and I understand that. I understand but let me ask it another way. Why do wicked people prosper and good people suffer? Man, hopefully you can call yourself a good person. Okay, why do good people suffer and wicked people prosper? Now, there's a psalm, Psalm 73 and verse 1. The psalmist will say, Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Now, here's a man who looks at the condition of the world, of the roles being reversed here, where wicked people are blessed and good people are cursed. And he nearly fell from grace, the psalmist did. Okay, why? Why, why did he almost fall away from grace? Well, the next verse tells us, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, maybe that describes you. You look at your rotten world and you say, I can't believe people get away with what they get away with. I can't believe the stupidity of our society. I cannot believe it when wicked people prosper and foolish people prosper. And you've got a problem with God. You've got a problem with the Bible because you don't understand it. You try to do the right thing. You try to stand up for what is right. And you're cursed and, and maybe have problems and, and everything's going wrong in your life maybe. Life in the real world isn't fair, is it? As I said, cheaters pass exams. Terrorists become folk heroes. Sexual deviants become icons. Children are abused. And the sinner lives to be 90 years old and dies a peaceful death. Life in the real world, it's not fair. It's not fair. Now, what the psalmist believed 
and what he had been taught in God's house about the blessings of obedience and what he confronted in life seemed to be in conflict. And that may be you. You go to the church. You know, you go to church and you hear about blessings and you hear about God wants to bless you, give you this three-car garage and, and uh, a fancy sports car and it's just a blessing machine. And then you look around at your, you look at your own life and you think, well, I'm, I'm not that blessed and I'm trying to do the right thing. And then you look at the wicked sinner who is blessed. You see, what the psalmist, what he saw in the world was the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer where sinners sing and saints sigh. I'll give you an example. The Christian woman who, won't, who will not compromise her standards sexually and who desires God designed for marriage. She struggles with prolonged singleness, with increased loneliness. She watches girl after girl sleep around, get married, have children, and live in a nice home. It's not fair, is it? She's trying to do the right thing. She's trying to stand up for morality, and yet things go wrong. Now, someone said that our belief in the goodness of God will be tested. And it's been said that a, that a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Is your faith being tested about the goodness of God? As you look around at your world and you wonder why things are not better for you and why things seem to be very good, for the disobedience, for the sinner, is your faith being tested? Is my question. Psalm 73, verse 4, talking about the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Yeah, they stand firm. They are not troubled as other men are, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. Yeah, they're fat cats. They have more than their hearts could wish. They're filthy, stinking, rich. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak lofty. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues walketh through the earth. Yeah, they got a big mouth. Sort of like the, the women on The View. You know, They just blab their mouth about stupid things. Therefore, his people return hither, hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. Continuing on in Psalm 73 and verse 11, And they say, the wicked say, how does God know? You know, maybe God's up in heaven and he's asleep or something. And is there any knowledge of the Most High? Maybe he's taking a good nap and he just doesn't see anything that's going on. How does God know my wicked behavior, the wicked deeds and the wicked things that I do? I mean, is God really up there? Is he really, is he asleep, you know? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. And boy, do they ever. Do they ever increase in riches? Just take a look at Hollywood. Do they ever increase in riches? Just take a look at, well, a lot of politicians also increase in riches. And just take, take a look at the world around you. Involved in every kind of scam and shenanigans out there and immorality and and. Married and divorced six times and still can't find the right woman. Whatever. Okay. But then the psalmist talks about himself. Those who are trying to do the right thing. And he says, Verily, have I cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence? In other words, is it all vain trying to live the right way? Because things are not always, you know, it doesn't seem that 
the righteous are always blessed like they should. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Yeah, does this describe you? Can you relate to the psalmist? Can you deal with this? Do you ever struggle in this area of just wondering, when is God's justice going to come? When is God going to pay back? You know, payday someday. Now, the psalmist will conclude by saying and realizing, he says, look, I was so foolish, I didn't understand. You don't want to go down this road. Now, a lot of us go down this road, and we agonize, and we complain to God. And, you know, God, I'm trying to do the right thing, and I'm, I'm not that blessed. And I see old Joe out here, and he doesn't give a rip about you or, and curses the sky blue and takes God's name in vain every time he speaks. And he's blessed a lot. But the, but the Bible warns us against this. And so the psalmist will say, look, I was foolish in my understanding. I didn't understand. And he says in Psalm 73 and verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. Yes, I understood that the wicked will have an end. There is an end to the wickedness. Now, it may not, you may not see it in your lifetime, but one day you will experience the end of the wicked. You know, I think about, you know, we all have a, I think I was thinking about O.J. Simpson, you know, getting off scot-free. And, and uh, I know that's been a while back, but still, it still troubles me, our justice system. But, you know, he's going to have another trial in heaven. In fact, everybody's going to have, all, all people who think they've gotten away with something are going to have another trial in heaven one day. Oh, yeah. Let's take a look at it. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, no matter what a person thinks he got away with. Now listen, you probably know somebody. You may be friends with somebody who got away with murder. Now they haven't told you and you don't know anything about it. But I'm just saying, if you know a hundred people, you probably, you may know one who got away with murder. It's been, it's a secret. Okay, it's a secret. And with every secret, secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, it's going to be revealed no matter what that person thinks he got away with. Jesus said in Matthew 12 and verse 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now listen, if I'm going to give an account of every idle word, then how much more a man's actions, what he does. I mean, if I got to give an account for my, my words, then think about what people do, their actions. Luke 12 and verse 2, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. You know, nothing covered that, you know, there, there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. You know, I think about in the community where I grew up in, there was a family that got killed, they got murdered, and they, they murdered this little girl and they never found her body. This verse says there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. It's all going to be revealed one day. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the thing done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now, this is talking about the second resurrection, which is a resurrection to judgment. 
You're going to be resurrected, second resurrection, and you're going to be judged by for every secret thing that you did, that you said, all the actions, all the hidden things, all the things that you maybe go to your grave thinking no one ever found out you're going to be judged for it in the resurrection of judgment. Now, there's a way to avoid it all, the resurrection of judgment, and that is to come up in the first resurrection. All right, how do you come up in the first resurrection? There's two resurrections, you know. How do you come up in the first one? Well, it is, the only way you can avoid this is to repent, accept the grace or forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and to be a part of the first resurrection. You see, if you're a part of the first resurrection, you're being judged right now. You're not going to be judged again at the second resurrection. No, you're being judged right now. Now, let's, let me explain what I'm talking about, being judged right now. If you're called of God, if you're one of the first fruits, if you're one of the elect, if you're the one, one, one of the ones that God is working with right now, you're being judged by your actions and by your words today, right now. Okay, today is the day of judgment for the house of God. All right, 1 Peter 4 and verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? We are being judged today by our words and by our actions. Okay, so we don't have to worry about it. If that fits you, you know. Now, if you're playing church, that's another story. Okay. You're just going to church because it feels good and it's the right thing to do and, you know, whatever. Your parents, you know, you're just doing it because to fit in. All right, not talking to you. But if you're a true Christian, you're being judged today by your actions. Whether you obey God, you know, you're being judged by that. You're being judged. Okay, today is your day of judgment if God has called you. But what about those that obey not the gospel? Well, they're going to come up in the resurrection of judgment. All right, and I, I personally believe the resurrection of judgment is a period of time. We could ask the question, well, how about some of these people that come up, what if they repent when they finally, their secrets are found out? You know, when, this, when the movie screen is played and the man behind the mask that murdered his wife, and the mask is taken off and they say, oh, that was you. What if they repent? Well, that's another story for another time, if they repent during that time. But anyway, don't have time to go there. All right, our belief in the goodness of God will be tested. And it's been said that a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. I'm asking you, is your faith being tested about the goodness of God? I'm saying many times as we look around in our society and we wonder why things are not better for us that do what is right, and why things seem to be pretty good for the evil person, yeah, our faith is being tested about the goodness of God. But the goodness of God and God's just, justice will be revealed in the second resurrection to judgment. As the Bible says, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and nothing hid that shall not be known. I'm David Freeman and that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, 
Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.